Hello there, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast, the podcast where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and films. This month, we are going to be talking about the 10th anniversary of the 2013 film Gravity. As always, I am your host, Josh Sarnecki, and I am joined by my co-pilot, Aaron. How's it going, Aaron? Uh, it's, go- it's going all right. Um, it's, it's weird that I, I know we always talk pretty much always says like oh it's weird it's been this long for some reason it actually feels like longer than 10 years since gravity came out i don't know why <laughs> i had the same thought usually it's you're right like like wow like has it really been that long for this was like oh yeah this came in like 2003 right or like 2008 <laughs> it's like oh wait it's only 10 years old that's yeah. strange but uh yeah no only uh only 10 years old so um Aaron, we're talking about gravity mm-hmm. um so for those who may have not seen it or for those who have uh maybe it's been a while since they watched this film can you give us a brief rundown of the plot right so um it is about a, a couple of scientists uh, uh astronauts working on the hubble telescope um it's a uh, Dr. Ryan Stone and I believe it's Matt Kowalski are the two main characters. Um, there's a uh, a bunch of spray, space debris hits the telescope and they are basically launched into space. And it's all about them uh, uh, trying to get back um, so that they can, you know, make a safe landing on Earth. I feel like your description of the plot is more like complicated than the plot actually is. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. No, not as a criticism. Just, I mean, essentially I view this movie as like, what if Murphy's law, but in space. Right. And I think, I think actually like that was their intent. They might've just said that specifically. Mm. Okay. Well, there we go. I, I, I remember reading something about Murphy's law. So. Yeah, I mean, this is very much like a disaster movie on like a personal scale. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah, well, personal scale, but also like giant scale as you're like floating yeah. above the earth. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think you know a good overview of you know the kind of the central conflict and yeah, pretty light on characters. I think. Other than um, George Clooney's character and um, Sandra Bullock's, there's like a handful of others, maybe, but only like one or two of them have names. And even then, like some mm-hmm. of them we don't even see. So, yeah. Um, but, but Aaron, can you tell me about when you first saw this movie? If you can remember, you know, way back in, you know, 2013. Right. Cause it was so long ago. Uh, I have a pretty good recollection of seeing this. Um, I remember seeing it. So I would have still been in college. Um, and I think I might have been 
starting my senior year of college. And um, I believe I just went by myself to the uh, the local theater. Well, it's a little bit of a drive. And uh, yeah, that I mean, there's not much of a story to it. <laughs> I mean, it's more of a story than I have because I have no recollection. Oh, really? I... I am 99% sure I did see this in theaters because I don't know when else I would have seen it. Like, I don't I remember think I... you seeing in theaters. That's what I thought. Cause I remember really, really liking it. Yeah. Um, like coming out, like singing its praises, but the, the experience of seeing it, I don't remember anything about. I don't remember okay. if I saw it by myself, if I saw it with anyone else where uh-huh. I saw it. Um, for whatever reason, just like, my memory of that is just totally gone Mm -hmm. um but i do remember really enjoying it um Mm -hmm. and thinking that it was a a very um enjoyable movie and one that um when it came to award season i know i was rooting for as much as i don't really care about uh the oscars sorry to 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 mad marissa no offense it's not my not my bag um do you remember when you saw aaron how you felt about it I I remember generally liking it. Um, I think I was definitely did not like it as much as you did. Um, for some reason, maybe something rubbed me the wrong way and like how much CGI was in this movie that like I was like, it's not real. It's like none of it's real. And like that bothered <laughs> me a little bit when or, or like it, or the, that it was in 3D or something like that, because I guess mm-hmm. I was like anti 3D at the time. Um but yeah, I didn't like I definitely remember like not hating it. <laughs> well, that's good. Not hating it. That's a very strong endorsement. Yeah. No, I I mean, I liked it enough that there was like a free poster that I got from a free like small poster that I got from that movie theater. Um and I put it on my door, at, you know, in college uh or one of the doors anyway. So oh. like I, I that was at least enough of an endorsement that, you know, I, I wasn't going to put on, you know, a poster of a movie that I absolutely loathed. <laughs> Fair. Fair. That's uh yeah, I forgot you had that poster. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of when I went to see uh Suicide Squad, not these Suicide Squad, but Suicide yeah. Squad. And they had a excellent poster that they were giving out, like a, a excellent mini poster. Of like the different character symbols in like a bowl of cereal. Yeah, I got that one too. Yeah, and I didn't keep it because like this movie's terrible. I don't want to uh, okay. remember. See, this I movie. kept that, but that just stayed in my closet. And like every once in a while, I would just like go to see if it still smelled because it was like a scratch and sniff one. <laughs> oh what? Yeah, I did not the, realize that the, the gravity poster was not scratch and sniff. <laughs> Are you sure? I bet if you you scratch and sniff, it smelled like space. It smelled like space. Yeah. <laughs> Uh okay yeah sorry didn't expect suicide squad to come up here but uh that was a good poster even if the movie was terrible Uh um but yeah so it it sounds like i was a little bit um more of a fan of the movie than you were at the time and i really wish i remembered if i saw it in 3d or not i i honestly can't remember um i mean i'm also someone who's not typically a huge fan of 3d so I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, although this seems like a movie that would benefit 
in, in some ways from the 3D, more so than, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some of the other movies we've seen in 3D, like when we saw Alice in Wonderland in 3D. Right. Yeah, that was just... We saw that. Toy Story 3 in 3D. That was just jarring. That was pretty jarring. I think that was the only show we could get. Yeah. Excellent movie, but yeah, yeah. 3D, not necessarily something that right. was necessary. But uh, okay, but yeah, it sounds again that we were both, you know, fans of it. I maybe was a, a bit more of a fan than you were. Mm-hmm. Um, but you the poster, so I guess you win that one. Yeah, I don't think I still have it, unfortunately. Okay, it's off there drifting in space somewhere. I, I might have it. I, I have to check my our parents' house next time I visit. Okay, yeah, under a million other posters, just collecting dust somewhere. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah, as one does. But okay, so. Before we get into our thoughts on the film today, let's take a quick break to hear about some of the other wonderful podcasts here at the Pop Break. Be back in a second. Hi, this is Allison Lips from Pop Break Goes to Washington. You may know me as the digital trends editor at Pop Break and as a frequent guest on the Anniversary Brothers podcast. Every third Thursday of the month, join me and a guest as we break down various political movies from a pop culture perspective. You can find Pop Break Goes to Washington on the Pop Break Today feed wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Bill Bodkin, Editor-in-Chief of the PopBreak.com. We want to check out a really awesome new podcast. We have been invited to AEW Media Calls with AEW owner Tony Khan. And you can now find the audio for all of those podcasts now on the Pop Break Today feed. So every time he's talking about something AEW or something Ring of Honor, you're going to hear it from So Yeah, you can check myself or Kenny Sokol. We'll be every quarter over on the Pop Break Today feed. And we are back. So, Aaron, let's get into our thoughts on gravity today. So now that has been a million years later, or or 10 years, uh, as is actually the fact, what did you think about it on your most recent viewing? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, you know, more than I did previously, I feel like I still have maybe a little bit of a hang up that like, like I looked it up, like the supposedly like 80% of this movie is like all computer generated, but like, it doesn't bother me as much as it would have back then. Cause like, um, I feel like the movie that we got was only possible because of that technology. And honestly, like, I think the effects for the most part do look pretty good. Like, I'm not going to tell you, like, it looks exact, like to the naked eye, I'd be like, yeah, that that's just a screenshot of, you know, space. But I, I think that, you know, 10 years later, and especially given how quickly special or uh, visual effects age, um, still looks pretty good. And um, I I was more, I think, invested in the story uh, this time around uh, with, um, uh, with uh, Sandra Bullock's character, Ryan Stone, than I was previously. Okay. I have to say, her being Dr. Ryan Stone, for some reason, I just kept thinking of the recent Gal Gadot movie, yeah. Heart of Stone. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, this is not the same character. This is very different. Yeah. But I was expecting this to, you know, somehow lead into a, you know, a you know, a prequel for, for Heart of Stone, but yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, okay. So it's it's interesting that the 
the the CGI of it all was something that you know bothered you, uh, you know, originally, and and you know, again, something you you noticed, but we're more okay with now. Yeah. Um, I feel the I feel so dumb saying this, but there were moments when I was watching this movie, and I was like, "Yep, they're really in space right now." Oh uh, like, yeah. Like I maybe my suspension of disbelief was just like already like turned up it's like Mm -hmm. come on no one could survive this this is ridiculous right but i like was in amazed like i i really did feel like okay like they they are in space now like they shot sandra bullock and george clooney in space yeah um they were up there dodging debris i mean so the, the debris like when they're you know having to avoid the um the, the debris of the the satellite that the russians blew up because the russians are secretly the bad guy of this movie Somehow. don't you forget that um but other than like some of those moments like when they're just like in space like especially that very long um opening sequence yeah. that i think it's like i i doubt it's actually a single shot but it's it's presented as a single shot mm-hmm. yeah um i think it, i read it was like 13 minute long mm-hmm. yeah um like all of that, like I was just like kind of flabbergasted by like how mm-hmm. much to me it felt like, yes, this this is real. They are actually out there floating in space. So mm-hmm. yeah. for me, the, the the CGI worked really well to the point where I didn't even notice it. And again, maybe I'm just a a cheap date and I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say that I, I still really enjoy this movie. I didn't love it quite as much as when i first saw it Mm -hmm. um mostly because i i mean i do think like technically it is a marvel um narratively like it is pretty paper thin i -hmm. would say um not that I, i mean i i think the performances are wonderful i i think it's it's a it's a really strong concept and i i think the themes play out well but I mean, there's there's really not much going on other than like there's a tragic backstory to Sandra Bullock and she's fighting for survival and you just kind of see her go on this journey of, you know, learning to um, recognize the importance of, of you know, living and, and going mm-hmm. on with her life despite the, the tragedy that she's been through. Right. So yeah, and I, I think that uh, I mean it's true. Like this is very much like a in the moment kind of movie. Um, that it kind of reminds me of another movie that came might have been the same year or like a year before. Um, a movie that I did not like as much. Um, uh, e- even though I feel kind of bad saying it because like the guy who the story was based on actually came to our our college to speak. Uh, one hundred twenty seven hours. Mm yeah uh, it was about all the, the the mountain climber who uh who gets trapped in like the ravine mm-hmm. um and it's just yeah. like that is like you're in the moment there it's it's it kind of ceases to be a movie and it's just like it's trying to make you experience what that character is experience in real time right and for me that didn't work this movie works a little bit better maybe because this is more extravagant extravagant than a guy just pin between two rocks i mean i mean i would never want that to happen in real life but 
yeah it's still pretty wild that they were able to make that into a movie um no i i do see similar comparisons i mean i i wouldn't go to the point to say like both of these are like suffering porn and it's like look how much we're going to put these people through no but there is an element of like we're going to like put these people through like like really significant adversity and you're just going to have to see if they can make it through right which again is is why i kind of compared it to like a disaster movie because like that that's often what you get is like you know how like what could they possibly have to deal with next i mean 127 hours it's okay not only does that to deal with like the pain of his arm being crushed but now he has to deal with dehydration now he has to Mm -hmm. deal with hallucinations now he has to deal with like his own personal you know guilt about different things from his life in that way it's similar i mean not with the hallucination well actually yeah kind of (laughs) yeah yeah no that 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 does happen in both movies um so i i i think it is again like going to like the 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 theme for both of those movies it is really like um you know man's quest for survival against all odds um Mm -hmm. kind of like the the it sounds so cliche when i say it but like the strength of the human spirit right Um, yeah i feel like i don't know they don't necessarily make a lot of those movies but like i feel like there was a time that maybe has passed where those kind of movies were a little more popular like there was also the gray with liam neeson where he faces off with the wolves Mm. like the arctic Ah, yes. And like, I remember when I worked at the movie theater, there was an Everest movie. It was all about um, the people trying to survive Mount Everest. Yeah. I mean, there that is so uh, I, guess I mean, like, a genre. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I guess like um, getting into like, I guess the characters. So for me, like, I didn't have a lot of, at this point, I did not have a lot of experience with Sandra Bullock as an actress. I hadn't really seen her in anything at this point. I basically knew her as Miss Congeniality because our mom like watched that movie and liked it. <laughs> I mean, that's a classic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you, you must have known already that she was America's sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't just would not cut, stop saying that. Um because of uh the blind side which you know has had been on the press recently which not you know not necessarily her fault there isn't for her fault but um i mean that movie was problematic at the time not her fault but even more so now yeah um so yeah i mean i knew she she had already won an oscar for that um i mean i having you know seen her you know in between the first viewing and now i'm more familiar with her work you know seeing her and stuff like speed you know i mean this this is almost as stressful as when there was that bomb on that bus i mean (laughs) um speed the movie that bill shamed you to watch no i i watched it after he shamed me that i said it took so long that i watched ah okay okay after the fact shaming got it yeah yeah so i i know I've seen her in a few other things and you know I think that she's great in this movie especially just reading like she had very little to go off of for her 
acting job they put her in a box essentially with a bunch of leds to simulate space and told her to act (laughs) yeah yeah and that other than the effects i think that for me is the most impressive part about this movie it's like yeah it is at a point it like it really becomes like like a one woman show like it, it's yeah. just her like you know you you have her bouncing off george clooney for you know the first maybe half hour at most at most um and then after that it's just the the sandra show and yeah. she does incredible work and it, it actually reminds me of a, a once again maybe this is another kind of part of this survival genre i i not long after this i remember there's a film with brian reynolds where he was buried alive oh yeah it might have just been called buried i think so so again like these... but he wasn't deadpool <laughs> not that time um but again like that in 127 hours like i feel like those are good um good opportunities for actors to really show off their chops like okay how much uh pathos can you really build when it's just you like you 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 have no one to act off of it's mm-hmm. solely you and especially in this like you, you have to like stare at a bunch of led lights and be pushed around by robots or machines mm-hmm. yeah. and pretend you're floating or you know all this nonsense like how can you make people still care about you and your character's journey when you know it's just you and i mean i think she does a incredible job i mean it's it it's so impressive and i I think she definitely deserved um the accolades she got i believe she was nominated for an academy award she didn't win though don't remember who won that year for best actress but um yeah i mean it, it like you said very much deserved for all the you know praise that she got um i'm curious what your thoughts are on george clooney because like, i feel like when they hired him for this they're just like george just just be george clooney okay so i i don't know if this qualifies as a hot take but yeah. i am of the firm mind that george clooney is just always george clooney you see i was thinking like i haven't seen a lot of his filmography but when he's danny ocean he's just george clooney when you know he's in this he's just george clooney um when he's batman he's just george clooney i i think the 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 biggest departure i've ever seen from him is in oh brother where art thou that's true but even then it's like he's definitely the the most suave of the three criminals exactly like i think more often than not george clooney is just playing george clooney like in batman like Oh, he's a rich playboy. Wow, that's a stretch for him. Wow, <laughs> yeah. he really had to, you know, flex those acting muscles there, George. Good job. Right. Um, and we'll get to see him again as as Batman, according to Alex. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that really trolled Dan good on that one. Um, no, no. There, I mean, there was questions of like, okay, does this actually mean that he's going to be back? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I I kind of wish they would. Yeah, I mean, come yeah. on, you cowards of DC, just just yeah. give it to him. Make him make him the new Batman. Um, I think George Clooney is, as always, very charismatic, mm-hmm. um, very reliable in this. He's not necessarily doing anything all that groundbreaking because 
it, like in, in all honesty it, it's it's not really much for him to do like he doesn't have nearly as hard a job mm-hmm. as Sandra Bullock does um but he I mean does it well enough like he he does a good job bringing like this um this sense of humor mm-hmm. um to the character kind of like um like all of his like endless stories that like are yeah. constantly you know making the people down in Houston uh the the NASA uh, central command mm-hmm. like <laughs> like rolling their eyes yeah um I think he 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 does well I just like I I don't think he's really being challenged all that much mm-hmm. right did you actually believe like I did for a moment but was sort of incredulous about when he shows up again that it was actually him Ah uh, yes, uh, the ghost of George Clooney. Um, mm. I can't remember if I thought that was for real or not. Um, I mean, I I want to say that I I knew it was like a hallucination from the beginning, just because like right before that, like you see her put down the the oxygen, so like, yeah. it's like okay, like she's she's having like um you know oxygen deprivation of the brain. Yeah. And, um, obviously, like she like no one would actually survive if you know someone opened up the airlock when she didn't have her helmet on in that uh you see i didn't even notice that part (laughs) see that was the thing that got me is that like you you see her like kind of like shielding her face and saying like oh no 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 oh yeah yeah when he opens the door and was like okay like she she has to be dead i mean Um, she just holds her breath a little that's okay no that's that's not how space works um and I mean, going to like the science of it, like that was the one moment where I think maybe there was a moment when I thought she had like it was it was real and like he actually mm-hmm. made it back. And mm-hmm. and the question was like, well, how the heck did he come here? And then more than that, like, how did she survive this? Like, I mm-hmm. I, I don't want to claim to be like a, you know, an astrophysicist by any means, like mm-hmm. like Neil deGrasse Tyson, please do not at me. But right. I was like, I'm pretty sure she would die if, if yeah. that happened. And so when they revealed that, like, no, she was just hallucinating, like, or that was just a a vision of sorts. I was like, okay, I I can buy that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Was there any of the like? What did what did you think of like the the realism of the movie? Um, I think the thing that strained my realism the or my suspension of disbelief the most was just them missing the debris so much because there was so much space debris and just the fact that okay they had the one astronaut with them who who died but the fact that they didn't just all die Mm. i I don't know it's just i was just like come on they would all been dead they all been yeah yeah no they i mean it looks cool so you can kind of yeah yeah the amounts of close calls there's there's no way to survive and yeah the uh the one other well i guess they show a few other uh people who were on the the space station oh yeah died. yeah i forgot about that all the ones the, all the floating bodies yeah i was Which like is, wait whoa i forgot that yeah i forgot about that but certainly it's not as disturbing as the one guy whose like face is yeah missing like yeah. that was it was upsetting <laughs> like like i knew this was you know a uh you know a thriller of sorts i mm. wasn't expecting to like full like horror of like seeing someone's face like yeah imploded yeah. like bleh. yeah no i actually got titanic flashbacks when they're showing the the bodies <laughs> oh yeah 
yeah okay but 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 yeah i mean it's not an overly gruesome movie except for a couple moments but um i will say about the science that you did mention neil degrasse tyson and like people did like ask him about this movie and of course he had a lot of like oh well this would have happened and that would happen and he's just like people got angry it was like you ruined the movie for me it's just like <laughs> He like he's like listen i i really like this movie but like if people like ask me about like science stuff or if i see science stuff that's wrong i want to like educate people so he, right. he i can't remember anything too specific um i mean he he's like he questioned why like a, a i think she's supposed to be a medical doctor and he questioned mm. why a medical doctor would be fixing the hubble space telescope <laughs> mm. it's like you you would have like a mechanic or an engineer you don't right. have an engineer do open heart surgery i think is what he said yeah that's uh um i i mentioned this i think maybe when we talked about 2001 a space odyssey um another astronaut or actually no near crest tyson not an astronaut but an, an actual astronaut um uh, i believe it's chris hadfield um he was more harsh in this movie because, um, I mean, some of it had to do with the, uh, like the physics and stuff like that. He he actually was upset with. Um, they thought that they, um, as somebody who's worked with female astronauts, they thought that they portrayed them um, poorly in his, and that he was unprepared and kind of needed George Clooney to kind of cowboy up and help her and i guess mm. he thought that was a sort of a disservice to you know like he said like the like longest uh serving like astronaut is a woman mm. so i can see why he would be upset by that um certainly i think this movie is trying to build like a character thing how she is in ex you know less experienced and then you know you know has to like you said kind of find what she's made of to pull herself through you know, and obviously yeah. he, George Clooney is like the the classic mentor character. It's it's like you know he's like Jeremy Irons in Aragon. Yeah, the the pull a weird reference out of nowhere. Uh, there's a reason we we could have talked about that movie last yeah. year and we skipped it. But yeah, um, I can see why you'd be upset. So I I think it's totally understandable. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that completely. I I think. For the way the characters are written, it makes sense. I mean, these like they they make it very very clear that um, George Clooney's character is you know super experienced. At, like they keep saying like, oh, you're gonna break uh, Anatoly's record for yeah. longest time um, doing a spacewalk. Um, so like they they make it very clear that he knows what he's doing, and they they very clearly present like, okay, Sandra Bullock's, um, you know difficulties are not because you know she's a woman it's because this is her first time like she's she's not familiar with space she's only had you know training on earth and even that yeah. didn't necessarily go super well like she crashed yeah. the stimulator um she she's nauseous even before things go off the rails yeah um but no i i, I can see the the complaint there right there um, were, i think there was another like uh scientist person or whatever I think was a woman who said that this actually was like a good representation of uh, women in STEM. So, 
Oh, right. I think I did see that. So, you know, people were going to have different takes on it, which is yeah. just like any piece of art. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, certainly like as a, like a celebration of like women in STEM, like I feel like this could be yeah, either a good thing or a bad thing. Like I took it as like a, a good mm-hmm. I mean, like anytime you're depicting like a, you know, uh, you know, uh, a character who's, you know, very resourceful and smart um and you know who's able to survive all this like okay that tends to mm-hmm. to bode well for them but right um one thing i was curious about was how you felt about her her backstory though like once again we like we don't get too too much from her backstory just the big thing is that we find out her um that she had a daughter who who passed away yeah um what did what did you think of that wrinkle in the story right i, I remember thinking that it was really weird when I uh, when I first saw it, and just like it felt, I think you used the phrase "paper thin" before, but it did. It's just like, yeah, I had a daughter who, like, she bumped her head, she died, and that that like there was very little to it. Um, but like, I think that I was able to. I mean, part of me is like, why does she need to have a tragic backstory? I feel like it's not really necessary because I don't know. It feels like we get that enough, but. I don't know, Sandra Bullock's acting definitely, you know, uh, made it work for me. And when she's, you know, she's telling uh, Kowalski, you know, to, you know, say hi to her daughter. Like, you know, I thought that was a really good emotional moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was like, like gut wrenching. Like that was that was a a very effective emotional moment. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh... I'm so torn on it because it, on one end, I do think it does a very effective job of setting up her arc of this is a woman who like has pretty much like gone on autopilot on her life ever since lo- losing her daughter. Like she says, like, I I drive, I go to work, I come home, I drive. Like, like she's, she's talking about basically her life has become empty since then it, like she's really stopped caring um and then seeing her go on this journey of like no like not only do i you know want to live like i'm going to fight to survive like i'm going to to you know make it through this and um i'm not gonna give up as much as you know i've been uh, dealt this this terrible hand so I, I thought that worked to to give a character low like the tragic backstory of like having a dead child like that's like it's kind of manipulative it's kind of like so easy it's like oh how can we make how can we make the audience feel bad for them it's like oh give them a you know a dead child like that's uh I don't know again that that's where like the paper thin of it the, the mm-hmm. paper thinness of it bothers me. Um, not that they needed to go into like some elaborate backstory and in, again in in the defense of it I, I think in some ways like the 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 kind of like the senselessness of it is is even more tragic of like it's it's not like there's some like really elaborate you know reason why her her daughter got sick it's it's not you know this this really convoluted you know story it's like she just trips and hit her head yeah. like something about that is just like 
especially right yeah off-putting yeah i mean and i don't want to necessarily go into details but i i don't know if you i guess you probably wouldn't have heard the news there actually was um something low in the local news that happened that was pretty similar not exactly similar but like was just like a like random accident that happened to mm-hmm. a little kid so like of those things unfortunately happen no. um what do you think because i think there was something that you mentioned or really liked maybe when you first saw it is this basically idea of like rebirth where she's the the image of her where she takes off her spacesuit and it's basically like she's being reborn hmm do you Did I like that? that? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't okay. remember but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I Where she's like uh kind of in like fetal position and then like uh she goes and you know the rest of the plot happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I, I do think that is like some striking imagery, and I think like the you could definitely view a lot of um not just like themes to it, but like also uh, like kind of like symbolism to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, there was also uh, when she touches down or I guess crashes is more likely. Um, when she gets out of water, it's sort of like what they show, you know, with like evolution where like the, the first creature to come out of the water to walk on land is supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I was thinking of like more of like a religious imagery of like 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 a baptism oh no i mean but it's it's interesting you you can see it both ways yeah yeah no i yeah i um i i do think again like thematically like the the movie is incredibly strong and and again i think that only works because of sandra bullock which is somewhat surprising that it, it works so well for her given that she was like not the first choice for for this oh character. yeah i was reading they had a ton of actresses that they were trying to go through it sounded like they almost like got natalie portman at one point yeah like they really wanted natalie portman they went after um marion coltiard yeah um there's a, a few other yeah they they really like I for whatever reason took a long time to get to Sandra Bullock and then after seeing this movie it's like yeah well, why didn't you just go to her from the start she was obviously mm-hmm. the best fit for this mm-hmm. not that those other actresses wouldn't do a good job I'm, yeah. I'm sure they would be be great um and I think I saw for um the George, George Clooney's character it was originally Robert Downey Jr. they were after mm-hmm. which maybe I mean he can do He's like Tony a, Stark yeah, but he can do like a similar kind of like smug look at me. I'm so yeah. funny and charismatic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, no one has ever compared Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne before. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's interesting, I guess, with the production of this movie. So we haven't really talked about like who like made this movie so um the director is uh alfonso Caron, um famous uh mexican director two-time uh uh oscar winning director uh for this and for roma mm-hmm. um and a lot of people probably know him well, not necessarily know him but know 
his work on Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is pretty much universally considered the best, <laughs> best of the movies, um, partially because of his direction. Hmm. Um, and I just, I, I find it interesting that, uh, What's really interesting, actually, is that this actually kind of started the dominance of uh, this sort of decade um, where this this trio of uh, Mexican filmmakers were uh, winning uh, best uh, best director. And they're, mm. they all apparently know each other. He's, he thanked uh, Guillermo del Toro and Alejandro Gonzalez uh, Inaritu in the credits of this movie oh, okay so like they're all like friends to some degree but like yeah i mean like they're just um even though like this movie is like i guess based in america like there really like was kind of like a showing like how uh how promising like the you know the future for like filmmaking you know, or filmmakers from, you know, Mexico are because, you know, Inuritu won two years in a row, Corone won two, and then um, uh, Del Toro. Del Toro won for uh, Shape of Water. So, yeah. And I have to say, like, seeing other, uh, so seeing uh, some of Corone's other movies, um, so, I will. I will admit that Roma is definitely a more of a an artsy movie, which I'm not necessarily in into. But like, I, I I definitely respect it, and you know, he deserved to win best director. And I really actually respect that he went from like a movie like this, where that movie Roma is more of kind of like, kind of like him going back to his roots, where he you know he is going back to a move uh, a story that's set in Mexico that's just like about a family. Mm um i think that's really cool that he didn't kind of like forget where he came from because a lot of a lot of directors maybe like christopher nolan <laughs> they do um but but also like um you you talked about that long take uh in the beginning that that's just how alfonso crone uh how he directs his movies um uh he's very well known for that um um other examples of that are in children of men which is like confounds me that that movie was not even nominated for best picture in 2006 because it's mm. better than the departed <laughs> oh yeah so i mean i would highly recommend seeing that movie um wow that's strong words no no hey listen i love i love marty but I, I i gotta i gotta be true to my feelings <laughs> um gotta be true to your heart as yeah. Milan would say. <laughs> I mean, other interesting things. So, I mean, I did see this movie in 3D and it was a weird experience for me just because, like I said, we had seen other movies in 3D, um, not too many. Um, later that year, I think we saw The Hobbit, um, Desolation of Smog in, in 3D. Um, I, I might surprise you a little bit that like, I don't hate 3D, or at least I don't hate 3D as a concept. Mm. Like I, I think that the idea of like we're going to add, you know, 
another dimension to movies that makes it more you know lifelike is you know makes sense it you would maybe think it's kind of the natural evolution of movies you know if you look at the other technological advances you know from sound to color to widescreen you would think maybe at some point we would get three dimensions um for this it, it was a kind of a weird effect for me because i remember it's like how's it looking 3d to me and i would kind of like sometimes i would close one eye to see how it looked like in 2d <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know it's 3d i just i think that this movie makes pretty i i remember making pretty good use of it um most of the movies 3d was or all that was done you know in a, a computer as opposed to being um done with two you know separate cameras like like avatar um i guess like my problems with 3d is that for one i don't know how the last time you saw a 3d movie is I don't know if there's any way to fix this, like pumping in more light, is that it usually cuts out a lot of the the light of the movie. It gets significantly darker. I don't know if you've... I've heard about that. Yeah, so um, also just like it doesn't look, in my opinion, like real 3D. It looks more kind of like you're looking at like a pop-up book where you have different things that are flat at different ranges. Mm. at least that's in in my opinion um so i this was like a, when 3d was still really popular uh because you had avatar uh it came out even like Martin Scorsese made hugo like he, he used the digital camera that james cameron shot avatar on he shot hugo with that mm. um and now it's kind of, I feel like the interest has kind of waned. It, I think it's come back a little bit with Avatar 2, but I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that a movie like this that people will be like, you got to see it in 3D, you got to see it in IMAX. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not Avatar, I don't think people are going to be like that. Yeah, it. this movie does kind of, reflect like not the last gasp but like like the the time when 3d was like still kind of chugging along like it was still you know kind of trending as something that could work and and that's to say that it doesn't it's it's like been given up on but i think you're right that like 3d has just kind of been less emphasized recently mm -hmm. um right. And again, yeah, I, mean, I I'd love to see somebody like I was really interested when James Cameron was like, oh, I want to make a glassesless 3D like the the 3DS but for like a movie screen. Like that'd be really challenging, but I'd be interested to see what he could do with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like part of me is like, yeah, I do hope someday that they, they do get 3D to work. Um, but if they don't, like, I don't think that we're missing out on too much um i will say i find it interesting that this movie this movie is also sort of like in a rarity I, I when we talked about air force one now this movie is a little it's more highbrow than air force one but it, it's still like we talked about middle brow thrillers that like 
they were like crowd pleasing, but they also win awards. And I feel mm. like you don't necessarily like this was sort of this movie kind of brought back that back a little bit um, or was maybe the like the dying breaths of that. I mean, I'm curious, do you, do you think that a studio like Warner Brothers would greenlight a movie like this now or they'd be just like just it's there's no franchise potential. Just leave it to Netflix. Oh, I mean, yeah, this this does very much feel like something that Netflix would go for. Or honestly, I could see like a like an Apple TV like yeah. going for this. Um, no, I mean, just even though it was only ten years ago, I just feel like the the film landscape has changed so much. Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing a, a Warner Brothers going for right. for this now. Right. Um, and 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 it's movies like they've made like this and like the fugitive that like I wish were more popular that you know were making money and you know winning awards but you know I you know I'm still encouraged that you know every once in a while you you get a movie like this that that comes out um I think really uh when people they look at the the talent of the director or the people writing it and um there's just somebody who's need to kind of take that chance um mm-hmm. so uh i'm interested in i don't know i haven't read anything what alfonso crone is doing next but i i mean i'm always interested cuz i think he's an excellent director i'm actually interested in going back to some of his stuff that he did when he was still in Mexico because mm. uh, when he got his start, he was uh, he was with uh, um, Gabriel Luna from, you know, oh. Star Wars fame. Him and uh, Alfonso Crone made at least one movie together. So, oh, OK, well, I did not know that. That's a big. Or is it Gabriel Luna? I'm sorry. I'm, I might be. Is that his name? Uh, no, Diego Luna. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Gabriel Luna is. See, I got mixed up. Bill and Alex got me mixed up because I was listening to their Agents of Shield podcast. That's the name of the ad. The ah, actor ah. in that. Oh. But but yeah. Um, I guess just the only other thing I want to mention is, and I, we don't need necessarily need to go into details because I kind of want people to watch it for themselves. But I did show you. I don't know. I don't I guess you hadn't seen it before. There was a short film that was a companion piece to this. Mm-hmm. Um that kind of explains who uh Doc Dr. Stone is talking to on the radio when she's in the capsule. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess without giving too much away, like did you think that do you like how like they explained who she was talking to do you think that was necessary do you think it's just kind of like a, a a nice like diversion or do you think it's somehow you don't like that for some reason i mean i think it's it's kind of a fun little easter egg like i don't think you know it significantly changes gravity like i don't think yeah you know but it adds a little just a little bit of depth to like that that one scene yeah um it, it, honestly like i i kind of wish 
that some other films would do that. Like, I feel like that's a fun right yeah idea rather than just like, you know, we have to like pump out another sequel or something like, right. like, okay, like, can we, can we give you just like a, a short little tangential story from this universe? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming this is on like the Blu-ray. You can probably watch it too, but also uh, I just found it on YouTube. Um, but uh, I know that uh, Blade, Runner, Blade Runner 2049 did a few shorts that kind of uh, tied into that movie that kind of like explained the gap between the first movie and the second. So yeah, some people are doing it and uh I think it's it's I think it's interesting. Uh I necessarily I wouldn't want most movies to do it, but I think that, you know, yeah, I I don't think it hurts the movie at all. I mean, I did read one comment like they should have put this like in the movie. I'm like, yeah, no. No. <laughs> like all of a sudden you just cut to like Earth for seven minutes. It's like it would not have been... uh-huh. That'd be I, so I mean, distracting. Been... yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that really would be like, let's pause for a second and see what's going on on Earth. Like that, mm. no. It, ha- having it in the actual film would have been a bad idea. Like even <laughs> just like cutting to it, like while yeah. she's- You got like, a split screen. Oh gosh, no, we don't need a 24 this. That, yeah. that it, it worked well the way it did. I mean, mm. I, I think, I mean, part of this movie is, is how- um how isolated um, yeah she is so like to to actually like have us like see the other person she's talking to yeah. like that's totally like for me would <laughs> feel especially as like part of like the the great um moment or the kind of like the greatness of that scene is that like there is this language barrier yeah like if we like were able to like see you know this this character he was talking to like and if we had subtitles i feel like that ruins kind of like what's being presented in the moment like it's right it's about her just like being starved for connection and just like to have someone who she can talk to even though they don't speak the same language even though like for most of the conversation she's just like making barking noises like (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's so kind of silly in a way I, um I, yeah i'd like to think that somebody watched the short film first and then said wait there's a whole movie attached to this <laughs> <laughs> yeah someone went to like the uh you know the the, the shorts for the year it's like oh yeah. i wonder what this is about uh oh gosh i i want to interview the person who did that yeah um yeah but uh but yeah if if anybody wants to check it out um just just type in like gravity short film and like it comes up right away so um josh do you have like any other thoughts um i think just the uh the just the biggest thing i just wanted to briefly mention was just like the um the sound and the the music for the movie like i think it it does a a very smart decision in not having the um the different like explosions or Mm -hmm. other um events in space um having um you know sound effects um which is actually a difference from the the trailer uh in the trailer there was um, the sound of explosions but they they took that out um and my and again i I think maybe that was just the 
whoever made the trailer just put that in but it's possibly they thought that audiences were conditioned to expect it because of star wars yeah i mean i love star wars but i i think i appreciate the again this is not like a totally grounded realistic movie but like mm-hmm. it, it it does kind of lean into that mm-hmm. um and and i i like the just kind of like the ambient noise of like you can hear like the the different parts of the the spaceship or the shuttle mm-hmm. like beeping like you can hear her her breathing like you can yeah. hear like these like for me that that adds to and they use the heartbeat a lot too yeah the heartbeat like that adds to the the really claustrophobic um element of the movie well like it's it's interesting there's there's so many moments of the movie that feel like both claustrophobic and then right after that like agoraphobic of like you're in the vastness of space and there's nothing so like it bounces back and forth between them so well and i think it works so well because of the the way that sound is is used Mm -hmm. um and then the music i think that the music is um really wonderful there's there's not like a particular moment um that stands out to me um i do want to just give a acknowledgement to stephen price who um who was the um the composer of the music Mm-hmm. um and who did get an academy award for it um and i should note two other things he's also done the music for suicide squad and heart of stone <laughs> it's all full <laughs> circle it's all yeah. full circle um but yeah no other than that um no i would definitely recommend this movie to those who have not seen it yeah. um the only caveat i would have is if you are prone to motion sickness, yeah, be careful because there's yeah, a lot a... of spinning and first person. That's true. View. Right, um, but it was not like Cloverfield, like we do earlier this year. We've uh, we've really challenged my stomach this year. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, would you recommend this movie to those who haven't seen it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think um, there's anything that would keep me from recommending it to. I mean. I, Unless, like, I guess you're, like, terrified of space for some reason, which, I mean, I guess is always possible. But, like, then you know to probably stay away from this movie anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I mean, definitely it's it's got me interested to, to see more of uh, Alfonso Cuaron's work. I I don't think I've seen anything other than this in Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if, if Roma's necessarily... Uh, a movie for me but um i know your your praise for children of men definitely got me interested oh yeah you should definitely check that one out yeah awesome all right well glad we had a chance to uh revisit this movie so uh aaron thank you for joining me on this expedition as always yep and uh before we wrap up uh can you let everyone know where they can find your work online or um just if you have anything you want to plug uh yeah uh so uh i'm hoping in within like the next week to probably write a review so just keep an eye out for that um and uh i'm on x at aaron sarnecki talking about movies and tv shows i will never be able to keep a straight face yeah when, when people refer to that platform as x like it just it kills me every <laughs> single time uh, okay but yeah excellent definitely should people uh check out your thoughts there um if you want to hear more from us they can also check out some of our recent podcast um 
we uh, did last month a um, over on the the Pop Break TV feed. We did a look at the 30th anniversary of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, which was a lot of fun. I had a special guest. Um, definitely encourage people to check that out. Um, definitely, they can look at our back catalog here um, on the the Pop Break Today feed. Um, if people are interested in hearing more from me, they can also listen to me on the TV Break podcast um, with our editor-in-chief, Bill, and our podcast director, Alex, um, where each month we talk about the ins and outs of television. Um, this month, we're going to be talking about the new um, spinoff of The Boys, Gen V, um, which should be interesting because I know very little next <laughs> to nothing about The Boys. So um, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and people can also find me on the newest podcast I'm a part of because for some reason I was trusted with another podcast. I I question it too. So don't, don't worry. You're not the only ones. Um, but yeah, so I'm now part of the anime pop podcast with my uh, wonderful co-host, Amanda Rivas, um, where each month we talk about all the fun news and uh, exciting shows that are coming out in the world of anime. Um, like to think that it's a, a good um, listen for those who are uh, new to the the genre, uh, as well as those who were you know, very familiar with it. So if you haven't already checked that out, would highly encourage you to do so. Um, also, I was uh, recently on Batman by the Numbers with Amanda um, to talk about Batman Ninja, um, which is, uh, you know, with its anime inspirations, was a, a fun little um, time for us to kind of go back into the world of anime as it pertains to um, a Western character. So, oh man, that was a lot to talk about. Sorry about that. I need to take a drink. Um, well, Aaron, again, thank you for your time. And yep. yeah, hope all of you will be back with us next time. And until then, remember, when you look up at the night sky, somewhere up there, George Clooney's still floating along in the abyss. Oh gosh. Forever. <laughs> 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 <laughs>